Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this? It's come to this. It came to it this. It came to this. I don't know whose idea this was. Probably this was mine. your idea. <laughs> Probably <laughs> my idea. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. This is a Night Flyers podcast. Today it is. People have been emailing us to yeah, do it's Night Flyers. That's a weird, yeah. I didn't expect we that. We get requests, and this is one that just keeps showing up, because <laughs> we haven't done any George R.R. This That's has been true. a George R.R. free zone, right? One one name I didn't think we'd ever get to at this podcast <laughs> was George R.R. Martin. So The Game of Thrones Game of Thro- author. Yeah, sure. Surely we're never going to do a Game of Thrones related episode I on a movie podcast. I could not tell you how little interest I have in ever discussing a Game <laughs> of Thrones podcast, right? But some Night Flyers, man. I got probably... 60 or 60 or 70 VHS movies that have never been on disc of any kind, mm-hmm. right? I got a bunch of them over there. But you were drawn to Night Flyers. I was. You were really I've... So walk me th- I mean I was drawn to Here's Night Flyers. Thing. I have Night Flyers, yeah, right? I mean, uh I've always wanted to see Night Flyers. This is from 1987. This was a big uh video box at the store at the rental place we each have this a is, copy of the video we're, we're box all, yeah. in front of us. eric's got two vhs two, copies one the official blockbuster video release or you know video library uh, release of uh, i like this is i like I how sh- i really like how shitty the blockbuster oh, box I'm, I'm actually looks making on it this worse. one right I'm, yeah you're I'm just mangling that cardboard tearing. man uh-oh. I got no nostalgia for Blockbuster, that but that Night Flyers Blockbuster tape that's pretty cool is great. But that uh, yeah, this is one of this is just one of those classic boxes you walk by as a kid in a video store and just go like, "What is that? Yeah, what could this be? Yeah." And if you don't know the uh, poster, uh, go look, look it, it up. up. It it's is awesome. cool. It is. It is cool. And it is. It from, looks like a really cool movie. <laughs> from what I see, it is very similar to the movie it's pretty much i mean the spaceship is kind of the same you see a spaceship and then like a screaming face in these stars and it's uh, a great box it's a cool box the tagline is cool i can't read it because my blockbuster copies where they're headed is no mystery what's taking them there is night Night flyers uh yeah i always wanted to see this i mean i want there's so many movie rental store boxes that are like burned into my brain. A lot yeah. of horror ones. We've talked exactly. about that. The joy of going because we were a new release family. Mm-hmm. We were not a straight mm-hmm. to video horror movie family, right? My, we went into yeah, one of the video. We Christian went, people. We, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> we were new releases, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you go to get uh, Air America. You are <laughs> you are going to you know. Also, one I always remember seeing on the uh, on the shelf at the video store. Never had an interest in watching. Man, I, Air I cannot wait for our Air America episode. Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr.'s goonish faces just smiling <laughs> it's at you. Such a hard close up on their faces. <laughs> just that, Downey Jr. deep in his drug era. This is nineteen ninety Downey, smiling. right? I. Of all, there's just certain video boxes that we just remember. And yeah. man, Air America, it's got to be because they're just meaty face filling that. It's like a white background and then just face <laughs> of these two side by side. It's pretty bad. Uh, I always think of this horror movie called Happy Birthday to Me. Mm-hmm. It, the box just looked like a photograph. It did, like The scene from the movie is a picture on the box. No artistry to it of a guy taking a... A sh- like shish kebab to the to the neck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a shish kebab that that's loaded up with like meats and <laughs> like it's a loaded shish kebab, and he's just like on the dinner plate, like Ooh. yeah, like happy birthday to me. What's the shish? Like there's no party hats. Like it was just you know the Frankenhooker box. 
I always remember, mm-hmm. I'm, I forget which Psycho sequel it was. It's got to be Psycho 3, where it's the with animated the cover of him with the uh, the keys. Yeah, I think that's 3. The animated, uh, ba- oh, yeah. I love that look. So, yeah, there's just. But this is kind of like that classic, I, I can't imagine this is Drew Struzan drawing this poster, but it's that kind of art style that I just love in 80s movies especially, where it's just like, it looks pretty much like it could be the from the movie, but it's obviously illustrated. Yeah. And it just makes it look so cool. It is cool, man. I mean, and I, I like get why you The ship you... is coming out of the mouth that's screaming, and uh, it's got that cool kind of alien font on the Night Flyer's you know, oh, title. This is definitely one oh, it's of a the little bit like <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a little alien fontish. This is like if they did the alien ripoff without an alien in it. They just stuck to the bad robot stuff. Buddy, let me tell you <laughs> either there is not anything to understand about Night Flyers, or I just didn't understand Night Flyers. I think that's true. One thing I really liked about it was that they felt no need to ever, ever bring up the pace (laughs) for this flick. They had a hundred minutes and they're just like, we're gonna go we're gonna like we're gonna take our time. We're just gonna cruise. We're gonna just fly it. We're just gonna go They're not in a hurry. Why is it Night Flyers? I don't know. Like space, it's always night. The ship is called Night Flyer. Oh, okay, sure. The title is Night Flyers. I think I missed every part. Every every okay. plot device, everything about this movie, so, I think I missed. After all the hype of me being like, you got Night Flyers? We should watch that. I've always wanted to see it. Then I... This is... I do want to talk more because okay. this was a thing where <laughs> I've shown you a bunch of VHS. Like, I'll get a new tape and be like... Uh check out this elliot gould zombie comedy Hmm? and we almost do them we almost every time it's always like ooh, but something else gets in the way yeah i get a new like oh i got brain smasher a love story we haven't done dice we want to do dice Dice. it's like it's like oh man it might be fun to do dice Mm -hmm. but then Another one, right? It's all it, we all we always have ideas of what movies to do, and then another movie comes up. And Night Flyers, though, that's a tape where you kept bringing it up, right? Every and then I would suggest a couple movies, and you'd go, you know, we could do Night Flyers. <laughs> and I it's get just it. something about that that face in the stars, that, man. It's like it's like the uh, well, now I'm not going to remember, but is is it Night Shift or something with the giant skull with the miner's hat oh, on it? Yeah, it's just like. Love that. That cover. just just uh, love that. Cover. It's always drawn me, and I've always wanted to see it. Yeah, that, that was graveyard like, shift. Graveyard shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Uh-huh. That's the Brad Dorif one with the big yeah, rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it ends up being not about a skull in a miner's cap. At not all. even in there. Giant rat. But man, it's and basically like, like the that. Evil Dead cover, but if he was wearing a miner's cap. Yeah, this is a different uh, skeleton. And once you're like into night flyers, if even if it was just cover alone, that'd be one thing. But there's more that would make this sound super appealing. Catherine Mary Stewart. Top build. And so you already know, even in the first paragraph, it's like, in the tradition of Alien. Mm -hmm. So this this film is all drawing direct comparisons to Alien in every way. And when I see Catherine... it wants you to know that. It wants you to (laughs) think you are getting an Alien sequel, right? It's like, remember Aliens from last year? This is similar to Alien. This is in the tradition of In the tradition of... In the tradition. I love that. I also I really love on the back of the VHS a page from <laughs> <laughs> Shades of Alien. Um, so all through the, the little blurb on the back, Night Flyers, they establish that their way of writing out the movie is just put the movie title in all caps. Yeah, you know, you either italicize it, you put it in parentheses, like. But they did Night Flyers all caps, all caps, alien spacing. But when it says. In the tradition of alien, it's just alien spelled like normally oh, yeah. in little quotations. So it really is in the spirit of mm, alien. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, alien. And then everything else is just night flies. Night. But Catherine Mary Stewart is in a movie that we should be doing a podcast on, Night of the Comet. Yeah. Night of the Comet. Is, she's incredible in Night of the Comet. And that's an actually uh, pretty good movie. That's one of my favorite movies. That's in the stacked year of 1984 where yeah. 
when I say Night of the Comet's my favorite movie, then you look at 84, which has Stop Making Sense and The Terminator and like Blood Simple. It's like, okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) But Night of the Comet, I have seen probably a dozen times. I love it so much. And she's great in it. This is not just a beautiful woman. She is so funny and so great as the lead in that movie. Once I saw she was heading up in this, in the quote-unquote Ripley role. Mm -hmm. In the tradition of Ripley. In the tradition of Ripley. Yeah. Already into it. And then we get to a second name that put me fully on board. Before we even get to the George R.R., a man yeah. whose work I've never read a single page of. <laughs> I had no idea he had anything published as late as 80, you know, 87. This is this had to have been the first George R. R. Martin film thing adapted oh, to knows? any kind. Now I don't know what to believe uh, yeah. with George R. R. Martin. <laughs> you you knew enough about Night Flyers to know that it got like a TV version recently. Well, there was a recent adaptation. Yeah, when you google it, you see that there was something from like 2018. You know, maybe on Netflix. Like a or season series. Of- got like two seasons and then Jeez. probably got canceled. Yeah. But it, it makes sense to be an episodic thing because it's basically a group of travelers on the ship trying to find some unknowable thing. But then, yeah, the ship is bad and kills this, them. This movie, if you are not paying attention to the plot for the first two minutes of the movie, they, they do not catch you up oh, on yeah. anything and they take forever doing it. I was going to say, if you, yeah, I knew we were in trouble right off the bat of this movie. <laughs> Immediately. When we get our, our first five minutes is a opening monologue, voiceover narration. Yeah. And you know how I feel about that. Yeah, man. God help you. It sucks. If you use voiceover in your <laughs> screenwriting. God help you. When we're leading with nothing but a guy, it's basically a guy telling you really complicated instructions to a board game when you're like it's, stuck yeah, with him. It's Catherine Mary Stewart just telling you the plot and every character's background while you just see the characters sitting on a space train doing nothing. Yeah. Absolutely fucking nothing. Do you know how little we knew about the cast of Alien? Exactly. We yes. just... Yeah, we just saw them hanging out, shooting the shit, and kind of got a sense of their dynamic. We figured out who the pilot was, who the mechanic was, who the Hawaiian t-shirt wearing cool guy was. Yeah. We get it. We learned about 10 different people. shows you things, like cinema, like movies do. They show Mm -hmm. you things. They don't tell you things. This movie (laughs) just tells you what everybody's character is. He's the chef. He's the biologist. We're also hiring a telepath because this is also one of those science fiction movies where, you know, mysticism also works and there's telepathy and shit. Yeah. And and then Catherine Mary Stewart is like, and me? Well, let's just say I like a good mystery. <laughs> there's no mysteries on like, this ship. We're just reading right from the book, I yeah, think. Man. I think they just read the first page of this novella verbatim. I and have... if you were not paying attention, like I was, not really paying attention right <laughs> off the bat, when I sat down to watch this, I'm like getting snacks together. I'm like, wait, what's who's Wait, this hold guy? on. Are they? Wait, what's this guy? Wait, why do we need three biologists? Wait, telepathy? Hold on. And I got to go back and watch it again. And I'm not sure I got much more out of it the second time. And yeah, it's one of those like, I'm not sure if, if I lost the plot or if there just wasn't like a plot to lose. I also think a lot of scenes didn't just didn't get shot for this or I something. Think, I think that is accurate. This feels like a movie where nothing happens for a long time and then a bunch of shit acts like it's happened. And then you're just seeing like the aftermath of a bunch of stuff happening. Everything that happens in this movie, I feel, centers entirely around this incredible performance by the other man written on this box michael debar michael debar this is the name i think that finally got this watched yeah that i mean i don't think we've talked about him before we have not we have not done a ghoulies episode yet no but so we always bring up macgyver somehow (laughs) we i think i have been uh shoehorning macgyver MacGyver. and i'm a macgyver guy but sure but Michael DeBar is such an incredible presence on MacGyver. He is the one episode per season arch nemesis of MacGyver. That's he, pretty cool. He is Murdoch. 
And this dude gets killed by MacGyver so many times. And every time it's by like shoving Michael DeBar off like a cliff mm-hmm. or into an old abandoned mine. Somewhere where Michael DeBar is falling into a chasm. Because every episode that's a Murdoch episode ends with him going, MacGyver! <laughs> as he's like falling to his death, right? And then some next season happens and MacGyver gets a mysterious letter. And MacGyver immediately goes like, God, no. He's dead, and nobody believes him that Murdoch... Michael DeBar is like, his face is burned over the... Oh, God, he's incredible. The Uh, Murdoch villain arc is amazing. And he's also one of those, like... He's a guy like MacGyver who, like, respects the game. Mm -hmm. Like, he likes that MacGyver's really good at his thing, but he also just hates MacGyver and comes up with these elaborate, ridiculous plans to trap MacGyver. There's an Old West flashback episode. Where Murdoch mm. is still fucking with MacGyver, and MacGyver don't carry a gun, so putting MacGyver in the Old West, that's a great flashback episode. I want to see what Murdoch does Wait, in the I'm Old sorry. West. Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. They do an episode of MacGyver as if it took place in the Old West? Okay. So, like, <laughs> MacGyver ran seven or eight seasons, right? Sure. So... A lot of MacGyver. And, then, <laughs> and that's when we were doing, like, 23. Four episodes a year. Yeah. None of this, like, 12 episodes a season. Thing. MacGyver was a hit. MacGyver yeah. was my favorite show to watch on ABC when we didn't change the channel after Monday Night Football. Right. <laughs> you just let it roll. Lot, Eventually, you hit part the, of MacGyver's MacGyver. success. Yeah. yeah, huge, right? Uh, so once you get past 100 episodes, eventually some writer's going to be like, we could have an episode where MacGyver falls asleep and then dreams he's somewhere cool. Oh. And so then you get MacGyver. MacGyver. <laughs> so then you get MacGyver falling asleep on his couch watching a Western. And then uh. he wakes up and he's in like the Old West. So okay. Been, now so there you board. go. Now there I'm you board. go. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. sure. Uh, like, but, a, like a holodeck for MacGyver. Basically the <laughs> MacGyver like holodeck it. for sure. <laughs> you know, uh, so MacGyver's great, and Michael sure. DeBar is great, and every great thing that happens in Night Flyers is any time Michael DeBar is involved. Because if everybody else thought that they were in a boring kind of sluggish movie, nobody told old Coke Sweat Michael <laughs> DeBar about that. I was going to—I had the note in my head that, yeah, half the people in this movie are in a different movie than the other half. Yeah. And it's mostly Michael DeBar. <laughs> Michael DeBar shows up on— so, a great thing about the Night Flyers VHS box is the first paragraph is hyping up Catherine Mary Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. She's your lead in this sci-fi movie. So in parentheses, what movie do they choose to highlight her performance of in this sci-fi film? Dudes. <laughs> sure. Mary Catherine Stewart, you know her from Dudes. Surely not Night of the Comet. Surely not this actual movie yeah. within the same genre of the movie. No, they're targeting Dudes fans for this one. And then for Michael DeBar, they talk about his work in the power station. Not any of his like, acting. <laughs> but when he was in the like Duran Duran oh, side he's a, project. He's a triple threat. He is. He's like a like David Bowie. Mm. You could say. I think I did look him up, and he's like basically now like a serious uh, DJ, serious oh, XM kind of thing. Major career as Big a radio. radio guy. He's got this great voice. Yeah, his voice is awesome. He's great. Well, he's got great hair in this too. Let's not, dude. He's got a great look. He's so, the telepath, and he's like fully electrocuted uh, afro the entire he's time. He's got this incredible Delta Burke. Designing yes. women. There you go. Blowback. <laughs> and then the longer the movie goes, and like the more cocaine sweaty he gets, he kind of starts dressing more like Delta Burke <laughs> on Designing Women. Like I swear, early on, it's just I was just like, no man, he really has that same blown back, dark haired Delta Burke look. Uh, and then later, he shows up in this jacket with gigantic shoulder pads. I'm just like, oh my god, that is like yeah. a Delta Burke power suit. This was, yeah, this was very much like a uh, working girl in space, <laughs> designing uh, uh, costume-wise. DeBar was so, I mean, this guy hams it up, but he is good. I'm telling you, I'm gonna, we're going to put a note in the end of this episode with just every every Murdoch episode, so you can look him up, just yeah. to go straight That's to the a good Murdochs, idea. straight to the I, eight yeah, Bur- yeah. Murdoch episodes. I need some Murdoch. This is, is one of those great, like, uh, since he's a telepath, it's like half the dialogue is in his head, and then he'll just burst out 
yeah, you know, yelling, start yelling. Uh, when he doesn't. Yeah, and he's always trying to he's always trying to get something. And the ship, we end up finding out the AI of the ship is like it's a whole thing. I it's a whole. I honestly, Hal, don't even want to get. It's into like it. the most boring Hal <laughs> Nine Thousand. Yeah, because the ship. Everybody keeps saying, and Michael DeBar has to keep convincing people that it's like the ship that's evil. Right. Right? He's trying to tell everyone. It hates us. It doesn't want us to be here kind of a thing. But then we just kind of go on existing. You know, we kind of, we he's on board as his only thing is identifying threats. And then the one threat that he's like, no, you guys, it's this thing. But because he looks so like sweaty and crazy and he's on his third bottle of Chianti, just yeah. sweating. Maybe not th- a good idea to get drunk yeah. on the ship. He's just sweating through his Delta yeah. Burke blazer. Like, oh man. So I get why they were distrustful. I also love how we have so many scenes of him and Catherine Mary Stewart speaking as telepaths, which is just them kind of shot from afar, like nodding silently at each other while they, while just a monologue plays and other people are just doing their thing. Yeah. And these people are just kind of like half of this role is Catherine Mary Stewart reading her dialogue in some sound booth. And then there's, we're going to play it over you nodding your head to Michael. So much voiceover narration. I don't think Catherine Mary Stewart cracks an expression in this movie. I don't think she makes any kind of. She never smiles. That's for sure. No, uh, she's but got. I, at least I don't remember she's her. She's got this emoting in any way whatsoever. She's got. She. Kind of, I thought she was going to be a cyborg the whole time. Totally. Uh, well, they show this long scene. Maybe I missed something. I, every time I said, "Did they do this earlier? <laughs> Did this pay off in any way?" Because I swear I was paying attention. I was watching this movie. I love these people. Right. We get a whole gymnastics training montage oh my, of her. Yes. And I don't think anything ever happens because of that. She's just doing the off-balance bars and the uneven bars, really whipping around. Really good. Really going at it, right? And they're kind of making her into this Linda Hamilton. She even has kind of a tough kind of oh, yeah. butch She's Linda Hamilton full... haircut. Yeah. You know? It's like uh, Linda Hamilton meets like that lady in Hellraiser. Totally. Like, just butch mullet going on. Very but yeah. 87. 87 in space. They're playing yeah. fast and loose with what people wore in space in whenever this movie was set. Yeah, like no spacesuits. They have to have some spacesuits eventually when they go outside. The spaceship itself is like a giant lounge area with like an open kitchen concept. What is this? I Okay. <laughs> what is with the sunken living room lounge? Like Scarface's, it's like the living room in Goodfellas. It pretty much is. But sunk, recessed seat, like it looks amazing. But then the sleeping quarters are like, just like open graded, like construction site kind of vibe. Is that like we tour you like, through the, the Scarface in space lounge area? Just to be like, and this is where you'll be working. And they're like, don't show them the, the sleeping quarters. Yeah. Don't show them that. strange. Uh, there's a we there's more names in this movie. There are good that were not listed on the box with Power Station member Michael DeBar. <laughs> you think if they mentioned Power Station, you'd get at least like then maybe some Power Station some shows up. Like it, huh? Yeah, yeah. But James Avery is also very good in this. You talk about people acting like they're in different movies than this. Everybody else is doing a character. James Avery, dad from. Fresh Prince. Uncle Phil. Uncle yep. Phil. He just acts like he is James Avery. Every scene he is in, he does. He seems unscripted mm-hmm. compared to everybody else who kind of laboriously reads their script. I Michael DeBar yeah. goes crazy with his script, but it feels like a script. James Avery feels like he's just in the like riffing in the margins as himself. Well, they made him the chef uh, on the ship, of course. And yeah, it does look like he's just kind of cooking in the background of the kitchen most of the time. <laughs> and uh, there's a great scene where they get to the ship and he gets to the kitchen. Oh, God. And he pulls an octopus out of a bucket of ice, smells it, and just goes, I could be happy here. <laughs> I would say he more than smells that <laughs> he octopus, He really gets dude. into it. He inhales that thing (laughs) he buries his face and mouth deep into that octopus he does and absorbs it but out in space that's a delicacy i gotta assume i you talk about a thing that is unwritten in this movie the way that man shoved his whole mouth and face into this (laughs) i thought we were getting some kind of puss joke 
<laughs> out of it. Like, I know exactly what he's going to come out of that saying. And then it's just this, I could get used to this. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> I could cook this. All right, man. Yeah. But Lisa Blount. Oh, yeah, love, yeah, yeah. Love her. Prince of Darkness and uh, Officer and a Gentleman. She's so good. An Officer and a Gentleman. Not totally utilized here. She's got a punk rock haircut. Yeah, I like it. I'd, like I'd know, I'm not sure if I ever understood her role on the ship. No. And there's, yeah, it's just. I needed to rewind this, and see what Catherine Mary Stewart said the stock about her characters, in the first minute. Exactly. They, they just don't get quite enough love because you know? we're so focused on Catherine Mary Stewart's budding relationship with Captain of the Ship. Uh, I thought this. So we see the Captain of the Ship, we know the ship's a computer. He comes on as a hologram for the first part of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, like the avatar of the AI. Yeah. Turns out it's a real dude. Turns out it's just some guy broadcasting from another location. Um, But he's the clone of a woman. (laughs) Hold on. I think I got this right. Please tell me. Because this is the part that I really focused in This is the thing. If you're going to learn a thing, we learned so much (laughs) dumb shit details in like, uh, okay. So this captain was made to be a clone of a woman. Originally intended to be that woman's lover, according yeah. to the movie. Uh, she dies while he's getting cloned up. Her consciousness is put into the <laughs> spaceship computer. So Hold on. I'm <laughs> I think this is right. I think this is right. George R.R., R., feel free to correct me if this is incorrect. Oh, man. So she gets uploaded to the cloud in the in the spaceship. Then the spaceship assumes the mother you know role sure. of this now mother grown up navigate yeah guy also the guy mentions that on their planet there's no gravity god do you remember we're that part way in, no i don't man cuz let me tell you I how swear much I, he made a thing about he probably did he, I and mean, he's like the artificial gravity on this earth is for you or on this <laughs> on this ship is for your convenience not mine i'm in agony so he's born in a zero gravity environment and all you know any kind of gravity now is just like aching yeah for him so he spends most of the movie when we finally meet him like in like an alien pod as if he's you know laying sleeping in that pod this dude sucks and- so bad dude <laughs> i hate I couldn't this care dude less about a guy so bad that kind of backstory we learn so bad so much about this guy who just sucks this is such a lame character i don't know this actor i hate him I yeah, looked him up. Sorry. This guy hardly. This guy didn't do anything. Cause this guy is <laughs> bad. This guy is. He didn't like the world on fire with night flyers. Let me tell you, man. This guy is. This was a career killing performance, and he earned that death, man. There you go. First, there's no winners in this, right? But this character is named Royd. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Royd, R O Y D. Royd. Royd good. sucks so bad, dude. And I love, I don't understand why, because they're in space, right? It's the future, right? They're used to like, wow, who's the captain here? And he, Royd the hologram shows up, and on site, every member of the crew is so fucking pissed (laughs) off that their captain is a hologram. Yeah. These people are acting like this. They're freaking out. They are hating it. It's as if there's like some un, like we haven't heard the backstory in this planet, like there was a war between holograms and people. Yeah. You, know, you let one of those holograms on <laughs> Everybody is so on-site pissed <laughs> that he is a hologram with no explanation on why it's a bad thing. It's crazy. Like, they're dealing with empaths. It's space. There's future yeah. technology. And they're just like, you gotta be shitting me. Like, people are so upset. And I, I just have to believe that they just saw this guy. And they were just like, oh, jeez. Right. Are you kidding me? Looking like Gabe Lewis on The Office. I mean, maybe Royd is like known, you know, because this is like an old ship. It's been around. Maybe there's like, oh man, we don't, don't Royd. get on Royd's ship. That uh, guy is a fucking zero. Royd feels just like this per- pervy space captain with a reputation. Like these people were out of options, so they had to hire the guy who like has a couple of pedo charges in <laughs> space like years ago. Because let me tell you how much I hate Captain Royd. We get so much, dude. What a it's like if Captain Ron was not cool, but just like, <laughs> it's like a sketchy the antithesis dude. of Captain Ron <laughs> is Captain Royd. 
Kevdoroy is such a dweeb with his dumb mullet and his, like, brittle bone disorder. I don't know. He's got, like, bird bones, and so he's like, I have to lie on these steps. Yeah. He's such a puss. <laughs> but he James wants to Avery leave the is... ship. He wants to break away from this yeah, the... commanding mother. It could force. have been interesting having... We saw Bo is Afraid. We've seen movies about domineering mother presences sure. really recently, Make right? Making an AI thing. If they could have made that, like, this sinister... But the ship has no presence as a domineering force and then Royd is just such a, a puss about yeah. everything man the score i noticed this is a weird ass score this is a weird score but again no need to pick up the pace on the score at any point either. no 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 we don't need to convey action we don't need to convey anything no, we're just out here time. in space man we're we're out here for days the <laughs> yeah but the, when Royd shows up i noticed this like there's kind of sometimes a sci-fi score is like, but also Asian, <laughs> like you know, like it makes a lot of sense in Blade Runner because it's all sure. like Chinatown, right? So the sci-fi, uh, you know, Vangelis Asia score sounds yeah, yeah, great, yeah. but suddenly it starts playing all these like Asian cues, like they're in the Tyrell Corp. I did. I remember you noticed that. this, right? Because the the synth score to this is very like funky in other spots. Yeah, and I swear there's a point. After like we kind of meet everyone and they're all walking off, where it's just like, boop do, <laughs> and then you see, like a little Seinfeld boom boom. It's a total like yeah. bass solo in the sci-fi score, and then yeah, when Roy shows up, it was very much like Blade Runner. It feeling. gets very mystical Asian yeah. guy, and then it's just like, well, yeah, because this dude Roy looks like the guy who watch who just always talks about anime. Oh yeah, like you know, Roy has anime some, only has a couple of like samurai swords back in his bunk <laughs> quarters. Like this is he yeah. looks like a guy whose whole thing is into Asian shit. That is just Roy in a nutshell. Exactly, just like oh yeah, I yeah. cut my own hair and I watch anime. That's what I do. That is all Roy does out in space. This guy works from home. He's a hot, what a <laughs> awful character. And so of course the whole movie becomes about Roy. How did this become Royd's movie? Yep. How is everything done for Royd? We gotta Royd? save Royd. <laughs> I hate that I liked the weird, badly played out stairwell interaction between Catherine Mary Stewart and Royd. Where they're supposed to play like a couple of teenagers who are being awkward around each other. But then they're just in the stairwell for 10 minutes. Just like, oh, I didn't realize anybody else would be in here. And he's just laid out on the steps because he has no energy. So he's just spilled out on the steps like like a guy who fell down the stairs but is now trying to look like yeah. cool in front of a girl. But he doesn't ever look cool. Oh, no. It's the gravity, man. Now, so we, I watch, this is the best way for us to talk about a movie with a plot that I couldn't follow is like we also watched it like three weeks ago. And now I'm trying to remember stuff that I can't remember Don't give that at all, away. right? Yeah. And uh, behind a little peek behind the curtain here, like we we've been, took we've been we took, off the recording. We took no notes on Night Flyers and I didn't remember the plot. Yeah. But did Roy like sing a song? There was a bad song that he sang, right? <laughs> there I did I make up or did I just think like this is the kind of asshole that would it, sing it, a song? He definitely seems like the kind of guy that would pull out like a violin. <laughs> to serenade his lady a, a devonsville terror yeah. like violin behind yeah. the couch but also like yeah he's got kind of this like shakespearean boy to him so i could see him he pulling acts, out like a, like a little lute or something he a little acts mandolin. like a like do we know if he had progeria is roid just like a is he have like a benjamin button could thing? be thing is yeah. he actually like a he seven could be year a old tiny boy? boy is this yeah. a big situation honestly what are the rules in space? <laughs> it could be all of it. Yeah, this anything could have. We happened, don't know right? how. Yeah, he's a clone. He. We don't know how fast he's aging. We don't know. Uh, we don't know much about him. I yet mean, we know so much about him. Yeah. Did you hear that one scene where Catherine Mary Stewart pronounced the word "financed"? Financed. <laughs> Was that did I, that only stand out bad to me? Why did we see so much of her doing the off-balance beams? I thought a lot of beam work in the Jurassic Park book. Michael Crichton makes sure to focus on the fact that Laura Dern's character is a gymnast. Hmm. And she swings up on branches to get into a, a you know, a building that was locked right, right, in the right. book. 
I forget how much gymnast stuff she does in the movie, but I think it's there. Maybe I made that up. Maybe I'm just picturing Laura Dern in her cool khaki Her gymnast stuff basically is her running into that one uh, shed. And she has to, like, go under a branch. Oh, yeah, okay. And jump over another thing. Sure. But they made up for that in in Lost World where Malcolm's daughter does all the gymnast stuff. Right. right. We got to get that gymnast stuff in there. This one doesn't play into any plot We see this great, like, push it to the limit uneven bars routine from her. And I was just like, oh, man, she is going to be swinging around this ship. (laughs) I don't think that happens again, right? Does it just... Does does somebody sees her working out and he's just like nice moves? It's, it's Roy, like, yeah. Roy shows checks, up Roy, hologram style, hologram spying on her. Yeah, watching her work out. I, did Catherine Mary Stewart actually just know how to do that? And they're just like, you know, we don't oh, really have anything have written her. here, and she's just no. like, I can do this crazy routine. Maybe, but that was like some Olympian stuff, and that was definitely one of those cuts where you see the person like flipping three times in the air, and then it cuts <laughs> to Catherine Mary Stewart doing that, like, ah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, when Royd is in the hallway, she is like sketching a photo, like a picture, a pencil drawing of him, right? Oh, yeah. She's also an artist, yeah. She is an artist. She's showing her all and these she different likes a good sides. Mystery. And that stairwell is lit like the Billy Squire video where everybody thought Billy Squire was gay. Yep. <laughs> Remember I the moment exactly where he's like rolling mean. around on his bed? I know exactly what he means. Is that rock me tonight? Such a, yeah. It's this soft uh, American gigolo pastel lighting, and she's just, and then she has to kind of, Royd kind of walks into the room, and she like has to quickly put away her notepad that just has pencil drawings of Royd. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening in Night Flyers? <laughs> so the uh, version I saw eventually on YouTube also is very like blurry and hard to this see. This is right? a gauzy movie. And. Then in the little five minutes of research I did looking at this thing, it was like, that was a choice. Because they wanted to work up this dreamlike atmosphere. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that actually makes sense. Because this is kind of like when I dream and uh, nothing really makes sense in the dream. Right. And I can't and remember anything after it. When and I then wake suddenly up. some guy's running around without his head. <laughs> being psychically controlled by the ship's AI somehow. You know, that's that's this kind of it really it was it was like this is like a dream in that someone I think had this dream, George R. R. and then just wrote a big book. Is it a big like, it's we'll a, it I work. keep seeing it's it's called a novella, right? Yeah. Is this just a tiny little oh, short story that he optioned? You dropped novella earlier, so yeah. I'm keeping us It was a novella, right? but I think there was a long maybe a longer version. It was I think it was one of those where it was in magazines. Okay. And then got made into something longer. And like, we can get Debar. And we got him. We got Debar for this. Book it. We got to bar. We got Royd cast done. Best. I mean, there was a few highlights, but best part was probably the the laser. Uh, okay. Surgical machine. Yes. I mean, I think that was the one thing that actually happened and then paid off. I later in the think movie. literally. I think Mary. Uh, I think Stewart was really underused. She gets yeah. saddled with Royd, which is just tanking, tanking her whole role. Every single scene Michael Debar was in is highly recommended. Everything this guy does on camera is just acting out. Drenched in sweat, looking insane, taking it to the limit with a telepath role. Mm-hmm. Really like, you know, hands to head. You know, you, oh, could, yeah. you could see him in a scanner cop movie. Absolutely. And then, uh, by my memory, we get like 45 minutes of the ship and the whole ship's AI plan is just like, I'm going to trick all eight of them to just go outside in space. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, do we all need to go out? And they're like, the ship wouldn't want... It's like, I think the ship wants that. I think that's yeah. the ship's goal. And then they get outside and it's immediately like, they locked us out. <laughs> the ship locked the doors. It happened. They're like, one of us should have stayed in to control this. But now that you have seven people in their spacesuits all like... Fixing the ship outside for just an hour. Yeah, the ship turns into like the Titanic all of a sudden. Gets a big breach in its hole. Uh, sucking people out. Blows up the oven to kill. That's try to big, kill James Avery. Big ass kitchen explosion, Yeah, by the way. That was a good explosion. That, that explosion that okay. is crazy. You see just a little hint of... and uh, Yeah, so James Avery loses like four fingers. We see them get surgically put back together by the laser machine. That was cool. And then... DeBarge and Catherine Mary Stewart have a bit of a face-off 
where DeBarge gets the laser machine to the face. <laughs> and that, that Dude, was the coolest part. The, the laser to the face is such a cool shot. The empath telepath off final battle between DeBar and, yeah. uh, and, and Catherine Mason, that kicked ass. That was cool. There are the only picture on the back of the Nightflyers box is Michael DeBar with his face lasered in half. Yep. When you get the one big ass cool practical effect in your movie and you came out in 1987, you are showing that effect in everything. Oh, the goo monster in uh, <laughs> Living Dead, <laughs> you're showing him on everything. Yeah. He's the movie now, he's in everything. But man. This kind of goes, I was thinking from the cover, we were getting like Aliens Event Horizon. Uh-huh. I didn't exactly, know. yes. I was I was really thinking crazy, everybody's like getting murderous on a ship, Event Horizon thing, right? It does go with kind of a Prince of Darkness vibes. Right down to getting Lisa Blount from Prince of Darkness and setting her up in a control, like there, she, there's a scene that looks exactly like the, the control this center a, this in Prince of Darkness. There's an extended scene of them trying to hack the ship, essentially. Yeah, they're trying to hack the mainframe. It's yeah. using that same green font, same year, Prince of Darkness. Mm. 80, I guess they were just like, computers are big right She's now. Like, we got to get them in. Got to do it. We got to fit them in somehow. Even Royd's like, you are a computer. You're not my mother. <laughs> You're not my mother. Oh, that guy was such a flounce. Yeah. What a wimp. He was like a little inbred prince. Exactly. Yes. With his he hockey was. player hair. What a poorly conceived character. He'd be like a... There's like a you're playing a Final Fantasy game. And you're like, man, now we're saddled with this. <laughs> you have you have to go through half the game with Royd in exactly. your party, and it's just like God. Royd keeps dying early. Got to revive yeah, Royd. Up every fight, every every oh, turn, you revive. Hurts. Oh. <laughs> you're not my mother. You know how many dudes Catherine Mary Stewart could have had? She was in Dudes. She was in. She dudes. was in quote Dudes. That popular movie Dudes. Yeah. I don't know, man. And then Michael DeBarge is so cool that somehow after getting everything, you know, from jaw up, lasered off, the body comes back. Yeah, and, man. and uh, does like a weird, like kind of uh, little chicken dance there, He's... mannequin uh, move, attacking Catherine Mary Stewart and killing off James Avery and stuff. This movie's that part I completely missed. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you. I don't know if he the... comes back and goes. I think he goes crazy, or the ship takes him over. Sorry, guys. I'll tell you right I now. Don't <laughs> I'll tell you right now for a fact. I cannot tell you precisely how Night Flyers ended. I in my brain it ends with Michael DeBar just getting laser faced up because once they have their final battle, that's the best part of the movie. This whole movie goes through ninety minutes of kind of a lull. Yeah. Kind of a hard lull for 90 minutes of this 90-minute movie. And then once we get to the telepath fight, it's like, yes, this is the thing. This is what we wanted. Yeah. Once she is, she's throwing acid in his face, there's lab lasers firing all around. All the lasers. The ship, because the ship is trying to make it into a three-way. So the ship's trying to laser them apart, and they're also fighting. And it's kind of this great Jean-Claude Van Damme kitchen fight scene in Sudden Death. Except there's lasers flying around also, and no guy in a mascot costume. So it's all right. So it's not it's a not lot like, like the much. sudden death. But when he gets, so what? He gets kicked in the nuts. He gets <laughs> he gets acid thrown into his face. I like how she just picked up like a jar of stuff and just threw it on him. Like I was hoping for a gag where Debar just wipes water off his face and then keeps coming <laughs> and then takes the nut shot. But when he goes onto the laser table, they waste no time. This gets down. We've said it 18 times already. His face just gets lasered in half. Like he gets curb stomped by a laser. Exactly. Just cuts from the from his mouth corner to up. mouth corner. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it reminded me of uh, Curse 2 where the jaw opens up and the Ooh. snake comes out. It's that kind of like separation at the jaw there. Go check out our Curse 2 cast. Good, good movie. That was a good episode. Uh, yeah, the ending, at least, it, you know, they, they give you like the 80s uh, electric, you know, uh, side... Uh, that's sci-fi. We get electricity. some some electric drawn you know, electricity. I love which that. Which is perfect. I always love that. But yeah, it just is such a mess at the end. Like, <laughs> I don't some, know what's going this on. This whole movie is. I don't know who to root for. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really even sure. Like they keep talking about the place that they're going, 
That's the whole thing. They're, they never they never actually do the mission they're going to. No. Uh, the main scientist who recruits all these people has been spending 12 years looking up the Vulcron or something, which is, he thinks, a primordial being out in the cosmos that's like creating stars. Yeah. It's like, that sounds that's so cool. <laughs> that sounds wait, cool. And then I'm like, wait, is the Vulcron the giant face on the poster? Is that, are yes. we building to the Vulcron? Are we going to get to the Vulcron? No, we don't get to the Vulcron. We never get there. Um, so the the secret is in the header of this. The whole yeah. plot literally says, where they're headed is no mystery. What's taking down. them there is. The Vulcron, been there, done that. We, we're good. You the don't Vulcron, need to know. Everybody knows about... You the don't fa- need to the know. celestial being that's creating galaxies. Everybody knows that. There's literally where they're headed, no mystery. Yeah. Not the po- not the thing you need to worry about in the movie. The depths of space, the unexplored depths of our galaxy, no mystery. The secret to life, the universe. But what you might not, not know is that the computer and this hologram are taking over the ship. Yeah. So that seems like a bigger story. Now what's thought, going on there? <laughs> I thought, since they're doing the Hal, Hal 9000 thing, they didn't go to the weird shit with the weird celestial baby. I thought we were getting mm-hmm. a celestial demon face. Like the huge, crazy demon. And then you see Michael DeBar's lasered face on the background. Is that like, is that the face? Exactly. Is that the guy? Is that where Michael we're getting DeBar to? Michael is going to turn into the space face? Yeah. No. I'm not even sure. Yeah, probably not. I think he just dies. Uh, I, I wanted to see this movie so bad. <laughs> yeah. Since I was a child. This movie's... But now you know, I kind of want to watch the the Netflix series and see if they actually do something cool. With I, it. I don't want to, but I, I don't know. I guess we're gonna do next week. We're gonna do all twenty episodes of Night Flyers from twenty nineteen. You know, I'm gonna text you. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, night I want and be like, dude, I don't know. I'm seven in. It's pretty good. <laughs> I want you to see Night Flyers. I really want you to watch Gotta Night Flyers. Myself. This is the perfect like. Yeah, they obviously they did remake it as a Netflix series, but when you talk about like the movies that. Should be remade. Yeah, this would be at the top of the list. Sure, there's there's a there's lot of a stuff. A lot you of could interesting do. ideas. Obviously, I don't. You know, George R. R. Martin not happy with how this one came out. I don't think anybody was happy with how this one came out. Is this is there one of these stories that like George Martin was so upset what they did with his precious Night Flyers novella, but the money helped him write Game of Thrones? I, I don't know. I like, think it's just yeah, it's stuck. or it's just one of those like no man, you sell your <laughs> stories to magazines, you have it's no control stuck. over who buys them. It's uh yeah, it's almost an Alan Smithy because I'm pretty sure in the movie it's credited like the director's like T C Blake or something. <laughs> that doesn't sound like and a, it's, a real. And on IMDb at least it's like Robert Collector. Like that Robert doesn't sound Collector. Like, but it does have the Robert Jaffe, the Jaffe name I I remember totally. And Herb Jaffe is the production designer and stuff. It's like so there's Dalton. I knew those names. This was just yeah unfortunate. So had some potential. You know, as soon as I saw James Avery, I was like, all right, Uncle Phil. And he's good, man. James Avery's entire here. vibe in this, he is just, he is, like I said, everybody else feels like they're being a character, and he's the only one just walking around being himself. Yeah. He's wearing a sweater. He's in space. He's just acting like him. Put on the poundage by the time he was Uncle Phil just a few years later. Mm-hmm. It's the real, uh, if, if where they're headed is no mystery, it is honestly a mystery. You knew it had to be bad. When a George R. R. Martin thing never got any kind of like digital <laughs> release of any kind, yeah, right? Exactly. How this thing is not on In the DVD. last ten years, yeah. Maybe that's how they got the series, but yeah, the fact that this has not had any revival. Yeah. I don't know. Should have told me. I guess the Jaffe brothers you'd think whoever owned the rights to Night Flyers, once the Game of Thrones seasons were like the most popular thing ever, was somebody sitting on the rights to Night Flyers just like, We'll hold it. Yeah. The price will keep going up for this. And then the seventh season happened. And it's just like, what do you mean everybody hated it? What do you mean nobody wants more of this RR guy? What do you mean he's never going to finish these books? Yeah. They, they I, I, the I thought that's to... where you were going with the Nightflyers. You're like, yeah, it makes sense that the movie that doesn't have any kind of resolution to its original plot <laughs> yeah. would be a George R.R. Martin thing because yeah. we all know that that's not going anywhere. I figured I, I did watch Game of Thrones. I've never read a word of his books, but if his resolutions are the... And I got to respect the guy. If he's able to write this much stuff and be like, I don't do endings. 
Can't think of them. <laughs> just keep them going. Oh, the the TV show surpassed my book that I've been writing for 20 years? Oh, well. And that's, if- that's I mean, to be fair, that's when everyone said it went to shit. So when, when it was doing his stuff, everyone was into it. Then the last season, that's the they per- didn't like it. That's the perfect situation for him, right? Oh, yeah. Then now made- anything he writes is going to be better than but that. But then everything that sucks, he can just go like, oh, yeah, that was a thing they did. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, yeah, I didn't come up with that bad stuff. No, oh, no. Right. Check out Night Meanwhile, Flyers. Meanwhile, he's scribbling out all these notes like, okay, <laughs> don't do that at the end. Yeah, <laughs> Man, I would say uh, if you're feeling like it, it's on YouTube. Night yep. Flyers is on YouTube. The eight-season series is on <laughs> Netflix. You got to check out Night Flyers now. Is there anybody cool in the TV series? Oh, I, I didn't. We didn't I look, didn't that, look up. that up. Yeah, we didn't check. I, I'll tell you right now, if I come across this like for pretty cheap on Laserdisc, I'm getting it. Because of that cover, the cover alone's the worth. Cover the cover is like frameable. Dude, That's a poster I would put up in Night my Flyers geek room. Is probably like forty bucks on laserdisc. Oh, I sure don't know is, if it's right? worth it. Probably because it I, never got that later release. You could have that blockbuster uh, cassette of Night Flyers right there. Can you imagine the guy ordering <laughs> Night Flyers for blockbuster? Yeah, we should stock that. Somebody's yeah, gonna want to be checking Night, Night Flyers. Flyers. Yeah, they're gonna wa- get a second. It's got Give that us- chick from Dudes in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the guy from Power Station, Hold not on. the guy from Duran Duran, not the other. All right, all right, not the uh, the third guy from the Power. Yeah, we're gonna get a couple. Man, it came to this. It did. I love looking back and seeing like two hundred movies that we've done, and just seeing the ones that always stand out to me. Like when I ask myself, how many other movies could we have been doing? <laughs> but one week. We land on Night Flyers. It could have been any movie. That's the best part of doing this. Yeah. Is it you never, really could have. And Night Flyers could have been good. We've checked out some obscure, badly reviewed movies and come away as super fans. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to the TV series. I'm not looking forward to the novella. <laughs> but We're going to keep going. But Michael DeBar sweating through that Delta Burke waistcoat. 10 out of 10. There you go. <laughs> Who could hate it? Skim through all the Debar. We'll tell you all the Murdoch episodes to see next week on the Murdoch cast. Exactly. We'll redeem this. There you go. We'll bring it back. We have to. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank you for listening, especially this episode. <laughs> Night flyers. Good night.